0: This flash briefing was made possible by a sponsorship from Avexis, a clinical-stage gene therapy company. The following content was not developed by Avexis.
1: Today is Monday, July the 8th, 2019. I'm Michael Morelli, Director of Multichannel Content for SMA News Today.
0: Updates are in from an ongoing trial for RISDAPLAM. It's continuing to show promise for individuals with SMA types two and three, the study was called, Update from Sunfish Part 1, Exploratory Efficacy Data in Patients with Type 2 or 3 SMA Treated with Risdiplam. Results were presented in Philadelphia. It was during the 2019 American Academy of Neurology annual meeting. SMA is caused by the mutations in the SMN1 gene. It lowers the levels of the SMN protein in motor neurons. The gene SMN2 can also generate the SMN protein, but normally in a shorter and unstable version. Risdiplam was developed by Roche & Genentech. It's also in collaboration with PTC Therapeutics and the SMA Foundation. It's a neural therapy designed to boost the ability of the SMN2 gene. It would help it to produce a full-length and functional SMN protein. Specifically, this investigational treatment is a splicing modifier. This means it can change the way pre-messenger RNA molecules are edited. It basically helps to generate full-length mature RNA from the SMN2. Risdiplam is a powder, but can be made into a liquid, and this makes it easier to give to babies. If patients have trouble swallowing, it can also be given by tube directly into the stomach. The SUNFISH trial has tested Rizdaplam in patients ages two to 25, and they all have type two or three SMA. Part one has 51 participants with a range of functional levels. This part looks at safety, tolerability, and the pharmacological profile of different doses of Rizdaplam. In turn, part two analyzes the safety and efficacy of the dose. In part two, it's given to 180 patients, at the beginning of the study, the patient's functional status ranged from individuals who are unable to sit to those capable of walking. Scoliosis ranged from none to severe. Part one results showed a sustained and over two-fold increase in medium SMN protein blood levels after one year of ristoplam. This was compared to levels before treatment. Researchers used the Motor Function Measure 32 scale. This can assess motor function in the patients, it can detect changes in a broad range of patients, from weak type 2 SMA to a strong type 3. Patients receiving RISDAPLAM showed many improvements in motor function. This was compared to the natural history of the disease. And it was noted that the earlier the treatment, the bigger the improvements. Of 43 patients who completed the scale measurements, 58% saw an improvement of at least three points and this was compared to the assessment done at the beginning of the study. Gaining three points in these measurements is very rare. However, three-point gains were seen in 71% of patients ages two to 11, and it was seen in 42% of those ages 12 to 25. Because of these exciting results, they hope to submit data to health authorities in the second half of 2019. While Rizdaplam is being developed as a standalone therapy, the potential for combination therapies is on everyone's mind, but it would have to be studied. It's extraordinary to think that only a few years ago, there was nothing for this devastating disease. To see such tremendous advances in a short amount of time is a great thrill for the community, and Rizdaplam has been well-tolerated at all doses and there have been no findings leading to withdrawal in any patient. Adverse events were mostly mild. They did include fever, cough, vomiting, and respiratory infections, but all were resolved and reflected the underlying disease. The most common serious adverse event was pneumonia, and that was in two patients. The trial also included a very extensive examination of the eyes. This was to exclude possible retinal toxicity that was based on preclinical data, but none of the patients showed any signs of worsening at that level. In conclusion, Part 1 of Sunfish has helped determine the dose for Part 2, and Part 2 is still ongoing, and the results are expected by the end of the year.
1: Coming up next, I'll share one of my perspectives with you.
0: Are you interested in understanding gene therapy? ExploreGeneTherapy.com has helpful information about gene therapy, including its history and how it is being investigated for the treatment of genetic diseases. Visit www.ExploreGeneTherapy.com.
1: Okay, so if you've listened to my perspective pieces in the past, you know that I have SMA type three and I pretty much spent the majority of my life sitting in my wheelchair. I'll be 54 years old in August, and while SMA has kept me from doing a lot of the things that I would have enjoyed doing in my life, it has nothing to do with my inability to travel. I have a modified minivan and caregivers who are willing and able to drive me anywhere that I need to go. While this may sound like a great life, having chauffeurs that'll take me anywhere that I need to go, my range of travel is greatly diminished due to my inability to get on an airplane. One of my coworkers, Kevin Schaefer, recently attended the 2019 Annual SMA Conference, which was held in California from Friday, June 28th through Monday, July the 1st. Traveling on an airplane for Kevin is also quite difficult, but his parents and caregiver have the ability to transfer Kevin from his wheelchair to the airplane seat and then back to his wheelchair once they get to their destination. Not all of us have this freedom. Now, sure, I could travel from city to city or even from one state to the other in my minivan, but going long distances, say from Texas to California, would be a car ride that I would not enjoy. People like us who are in wheelchairs have been fighting this battle with the FAA and the myriad of airline companies for years. We've requested the ability to bring our wheelchairs on the plane so that we could remain in our chairs and not have to transfer. Plus, if you've ever purchased an electric wheelchair or know someone who has, I'm sure that you're aware of the fact that these chairs can cost up to $75,000 or more. Since we're unable to use our wheelchairs on the plane, this means that our wheelchairs have to be stored in the storage compartment on the plane. Put yourself in our shoes. How would you like to turn over your $75,000 wheelchair over to a maintenance worker who probably has no training or experience in handling these wheelchairs? Their job is to load and unload the plane, and I'm sure they really don't care if there's any damage. Shane Burkaw is an advocate and SMA patient. His foundation, called Laughing at My Nightmare, provides adaptive equipment for patients who suffer from muscular dystrophy. In one of his recent books that he just published, entitled Strangers Assume My Girlfriend is My Nurse, he tells about a story that happened to him when he was younger. When he and his parents landed at their destination, they found out that his very expensive wheelchair had been disassembled by one of the ground workers when they were loading his wheelchair in the storage compartment. When they arrived at their destination, there was no one there that was able to put his wheelchair back together. Back in 1988, my father and I flew to California, where they were modifying a van so that I would be able to drive. When we landed in Los Angeles, my father and I waited for nearly two hours for them to bring me my wheelchair. When they finally brought my chair to me, the hand controller that controls my wheelchair had been broken off and severely damaged and one of the bolts that held my left engine on was sheared off because someone put something extremely heavy in my wheelchair. Since our meeting in California was only going to last for three days, we couldn't find anyone to repair the damage. So my father had to manually push me in my electric wheelchair for these three days. And then when we got home, it took another two weeks to get my chair repaired at a cost of nearly $1,000. Did the airline offer to pick up the cost of these repairs? The answer is no. I've lived in Dallas my whole life, and our transit system here in Dallas is called DART, and it stands for Dallas Area Rapid Transit. They have vans and buses that they use to transport people who sit in wheelchairs. Once inside the van or the bus, they have a tie-down bracket that they use to secure our wheelchairs. This tie-down bracket allows us to stay in our wheelchairs without having to transfer to a seat in the van or the bus. My question is why can't the airlines do this? If you ask them, They'll tell you that in case of an airline accident, our wheelchairs don't meet the regulations by the FAA for safety. My question to them would be that if the plane that I'm flying on is nosediving from 37,000 feet, what the hell difference does it make? Sitting in a seat regulated by the FAA versus sitting in our wheelchairs, the outcome is going to be the same. While I'm not trying to be gruesome in my description, I think you get my point. The FAA and the airlines need to wake up and smell the coffee When it comes to inclusiveness in people that are in wheelchairs, it would be very simple for them to remove a couple of seats in the front of the plane and put tie-down brackets for those of us that sit in wheelchairs. This would allow us the freedom to be able to travel longer distances by plane and not have to go through all the issues that we currently have to go through. While their excuse may be safety, in my mind, it's nothing more than corporate greed. They don't want to remove a couple of seats on the plane because they think they would end up losing too much money. My comment would be that if they did remove the seats, which would allow those of us in wheelchairs to be able to travel with more freedom, they may actually see an increase in profits due to the fact that we would now be able to travel. Corporate greed is a vicious animal, and while I'm not a big enthusiast of government control, I would have no problems with the government forcing these airliners and the FAA to do the right thing. Please take time out of your day to write your local congressman, senator, And the governor in the state in which you live, and tell them that people that are in wheelchairs deserve the right to be able to get onto a plane and go where they want to go, just like the able bodied. It's a right that we not only want and need, it's a right that we deserve. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. All of our podcast and flash briefings can be found on our website at www.smanewstoday.com. You can also find our podcast and flash briefings on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. And be sure to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook page as well. For SMA News Today, I'm Michael Morale, Multi-Channel Content Director.